What amazing thought just to realize that God will use us and desires to. I enjoyed that song. Open your Bibles again to Nehemiah chapter 2. I'm going to pray and then I want to point out two statements in two different verses. Heavenly Father, I thank you for church. I thank you for the privilege and opportunity that we have to come together to worship you and to learn more about you, to apply to our lives the principles of your word. And I pray that today our hearing would be for more than knowing and would be for doing in our lives. I ask Holy Spirit that you would guide and direct my thinking and my speaking as I preach this morning. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Verse number 18, I want you to notice what Nehemiah says in verse number 18. Then I told them of the good hand of my God, which was good upon me. I want you to go to verse number 8. Verse number 8. I want you to notice the last two or three lines there where he says, And the king granted me according. And the king granted me according to the good hand of my God upon me. I'm going to preach this morning on this subject, desiring God's hand on our lives. The story of Nehemiah is not there for us just to know about as an event in history, but it is an example of a man so yielding himself to God that when God gave him a task beyond his ability, God placed his good hand upon him and he accomplished by that power more than a man could accomplish in his own. Are you with me this morning? Nehemiah embarked on a very monumental task. He would return to Jerusalem from Babylon. He would take a group of the Jewish captives, a remnant of them, and would return to Jerusalem to rebuild the walls of protection around the city. Those walls had been broken down by the enemy. They had been taken apart brick by brick. The temple destroyed the walls broken down. This group of Jews that were described as a feeble group of people, that's what the opposition said about them. They had no military might. They had no financial means of their own. They had no organization of manpower to behind, behind them to protect them. But Nehemiah, in the will of God, going to God in prayer, God placed his hand of blessing upon him, and Nehemiah succeeded. Nehemiah knew something different was going on in his life. He knew that God had placed his good hand upon him to accomplish this monumental task of restoring the city of Jerusalem. The work that Nehemiah accomplished was a work that God did through him in a supernatural way that was beyond Nehemiah's ability. I've been saying this month, I don't want us to look at the work that needs to be done for God in our country and say, what can I do for God? 
But I want us to see the need and say, God, what do you want to do with me and through me? I yield myself to you to accomplish your will. The purpose of the message this morning is to know the importance of God's hand in our lives. Now, I want you to take personal the message this morning. I want every young man and every young lady, I want every teenager and every man and woman here today to realize God wants to put his hand of blessing on your life. Think of that, if you will. The purpose is to get us to see that God can and will if we would meet the condition for God to bless our lives. I believe God wants to bless our homes. I believe God wants to bless our marriage and the rearing of our children. I believe God wants to place his hand upon us for that task that's a very difficult task in the day and age in which we live. I believe God wants to place his hand upon us individually in our walk with him and our testimony for him. I believe God would put his hand on your life and bless your business, bless your life. I believe God would place his hand upon this church and do through not only individuals but collectively a, ch a church a work that would bring honor and glory to him that folks would say only God can do that. Throughout the word of God, we find God's people testifying of God's hand in their life. God's hand that would guide them, direct them, empower them, and do things with and through them that they could not do. Things that amazed them sometimes surprised them. I'll give you just a sampling of those things, but it's found throughout the word of God. For example, in the book of Ezra chapter 7, verse number 28, the Bible says, And hath extended mercy unto me, before the king. Now think about that. He's going before the king. He's going to return to Jerusalem uh, to rebuild the temple. You can imagine he's nervous. He's going before the king. He is somewhat uh, uh, concerned uh, whether the king may throw him in jail as Nehemiah was concerned about Artaxerxes uh, throwing him in prison because he would go before him uh, uh, upset and concerned about his hometown. But the Bible says in Ezra 7 28 and hath extended mercy unto me before the king and his counselors and before all the king's mighty princes and I was strengthened as the hand of the Lord my God was upon me and I gathered together out of Israel chief men to go up with me. I believe what that verse says to me. I'll put my hand of blessings on you in your meetings of life, in your circumstances of life, in your work and task. I don't know about you, but I get excited about that to think that God could put his hand of blessing and prosper the circumstances of my life. I hunger for that. I hunger for it in my life. I hunger for it in your life. I want you to hunger for that. The psalmist said in Psalm 139 and verse number 5, Thou hast beset me behind and before and laid thine hand 
upon me. Now he's not talking about God reaching from heaven physically and touching him with his hand. He's talking about the hand of God bringing providential and supernatural blessing in his life. I look at my children and I desire God to bless their life. I look at my grandchildren and I desire God to bless their life. And so I hunger. I want to know. In fact, I've examined to the best of my ability what it took to get God to place his hand of blessings on people. Ezekiel chapter 8 verse number 1, it came to pass in the sixth year, in the sixth month, the fifth day of the month, as I sat in my house and the elders of Judah sat before me, Ezekiel says this, that the hand of the Lord God fell there upon me. As you read through the word of God, you find people that God placed his hand, his power, his favor upon. By the way, that describes what happened for our nation to become the nation that it has become and blessed. I believe we're far from where we started as our nation began years ago. Let me give you just some statements about that. Uh, George Washington added to the presidential oath what was not written when he added these words, So help me God. Understanding George Washington's relationship with God, he hungered not just to lead and direct a group of people in a nation, he hungered for God's hand to be upon him, to give him wisdom, to give him guidance as he would lead a nation. I want that for my family. I want that for our church. I want that for our lives. I believe God answered that desire and request of his heart. Uh, the, uh, the Supreme Court building was constructed in 1930. A marble sign on the south wall of the courtroom features Moses with two uh, tablets of the Ten Commandments. Uh, you know what our nation was saying? Uh, this is the foundation of law. Law does not rest within a robe Law rests within the person of Christ and his word. Uh, since its first meeting in 1774, Congress opened its sessions with prayer. Uh, October 3rd, 1789, uh, President Washington said these words, The duty of all nations to acknowledge the providence of Almighty God, to obey his will, to be grateful for his benefits, and humbly implore his protection and favor. And therefore he declared a national day of public thanksgiving and prayer to be observed. And he didn't expect thanksgiving to just be a time to be together and eat food and enjoy family, though that was a part of it. He said that's a time that we recognize there's a God in heaven and he's the one that gives our blessings to us. You know what he was saying? I want God's hand on our nation. The Ten Commandments are symbolized in the floor of the National Archives building in Washington, D.C. In front of the Ronald Reagan building in D.C. is a sculpted figure leaning on the Ten Commandments and the inscription reads, Our liberty of worship is not a concession nor a privilege, but it is an inerrant right. It's why we were made. We were made to worship God. We were made to depend upon God. You've heard that famous uh, 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 statement or lecture of Benjamin Franklin in 1787. It seems 
ashamed that our young nation would be aborted in its early days of birth when he stood and said, I have lived, sir, a long time, and the longer I live, the more convincing proofs I see of this truth that God governs in the affairs of men. And if a sparrow cannot fall to the ground without his notice, is it probable that an empire can rise without his aid? We have been assured, sir, in the sacred writings that except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. He concluded by saying, I firmly believe this and I also believe that without his concurring aid, we shall succeed in this political building no better than the builders of Babel. Now you may say, preacher, but those people are important people. Uh, those people are folks that were a part of, prov uh, of God's providential will. Uh, could I surprise you this morning and say you're a part of God's providential will? May I say God wants to put his hand of blessing in your life? God cares about you and your marriage. God cares about you and your children. God cares about you and your business. God cares about you and your life. And you ought to hunger for the good hand of God in your life as much as a president would hunger God's hand and direction and leading as he would lead a nation. As you go through the scripture, you find that God interceded on behalf of Joshua and even made the sun to stand still. You'll find that God interceded on behalf of Hannah, a woman that could not have a child, but she laid on the altar and she begged in prayer for God to give her a child and God gave her a son that became the mighty prophet Samuel. God interceded on behalf of Elijah and Elisha. I like what Elisha said when he cried out, Where is the Lord God of Elisha? And the same God that had blessed Elisha uh, put his hand of blessings on Elijah and God desires to do the same today. I can say this morning by way of testimony I've watched uh, the work of God in these years uh, here in our church. I'm glad to say I've seen the good hand of the Lord. But I don't want to take that for granted and just suppose that God would always bless anything and everything we would desire to do. But with every step, with every decision, with every direction of life, we would say, Lord, as much as I needed you then, I need you now. I could go on and on giving stories and testimonies of how God is blessed in the past. God blessed, it was a God's hand that allowed us to purchase the property and have a Bible college. I was thinking this morning as I was sitting there in the song service of young men uh, that uh, used to sit in these pews as children and teenagers standing to preach today. Some in foreign countries, some in America. Many serving God around the country that we had a privilege to be a part of their lives. God's hand of blessing was upon that. To say that God's hand of blessing has been upon this moving in this property is just, it's just overwhelming to me what God has done. I'm often asked by pastors who are, who are at a crossroads in their life or ministry. They're at a place to make a major decision. Do I go on and if we continue to go, it's going to take more than what we're able to do. What do I do? Here's what my answer always is. Wait until you see the hand of God. Wait until God moves in your life that you know that was the hand of God. Nehemiah didn't say, I hope God's hand will be upon me. 
He said, I want to testify that God's good hand is upon me as he talked to the president, the king, the leaders of the people. As he talked to the people, he said, God's good hand is upon me. He testified of that. As I've gone through many stories in the Bible looking to see how and why God intervened and God took them beyond what a mortal man could do and you could see God's working. There were five things that I concluded were in every story or in every person's life in the Bible. Uh, Nehemiah, Elijah, Elisha, Moses, Hannah, Paul, the local church, on and on it goes, and I could give you many more. I'm going to give you five things I believe are present when God puts his hand of blessing on a father, a mother, a teenager, a soul winner, a soldier, a pastor, a servant, whatever the case may be, five simple things. Make note of these. First of all, I want to say it was to be in the will of God. To be in the will of God. May I say this morning that God made you and I for him. If you'll take your Bibles and go to the book of Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. And I want you to notice in verse number 16. Colossians chapter 1 and in verse number 16. The Bible says in Colossians 1 and verse number 16. For by him were all things created. Do you believe that this morning? Say amen. I believe God made everything. We, we understand that we did not evolve from a lower animal life. We know what the Bible says. God created us. God made us in his image. The Bible goes on to say here that all things were created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him, comma, not period, comma, Look at it, and for him. Everything God made, God made for him. Perhaps the most misunderstood fundamental of man's existence today is that we were made to please God. There are those today that would classify themselves as part of teachers or, or institutions of higher learning. And they're still trying to answer the question, where do we come from? What are we doing here? Where are we going in the Bible? All in one verse tells us exactly where we came from. God made us. And tells us what we're here for. We're here to please God. We're made for him. So if you want God's hand in your life, you must desire God's will in your life. Now I've learned this. To do God's will, I oftentimes have to say no to my will. I have to say no to my wants, no to my wishes, not what I would do, not what I would desire, not what I would want to accomplish, but God, I want to do your will. In every story, in every story, you'll find where God put his hand of blessing, it was a result of them being in God's will. I ask you the question this morning, a teenager, are you in God's will? Are you yielded to the will of God? I ask you, mom and dad, I ask you, young couple, as you're rearing young children, are you in the will of God? Have you yielded your life, your mind, your heart, your body, your decision to say, Lord, I want to do your will. I don't know about you. I don't want to go through life accomplishing the most I can accomplish. I want to go through life God using me with his hand on me to accomplish his will, the will of God. The will of God. I challenge you today to accept 
the will of God. Hannah did not want a son for her own glory. She said, God, if you'll give me a son, I'll give him back to you. I'll raise him for you. And at the appropriate time, she took Samuel back to the temple. It was a difficult and a dark day spiritually in the land of Israel, but she fulfilled her promise and God gave her a son because it was a desire for the will of God. I'll give you the second thing this morning. To see the name or gospel of Christ proclaimed. God always blesses when we desire to lift up his name and the gospel of Christ. May I say this morning, God desires his name to be honored and glorified. Do you want to activate God in your life tomorrow? Get up in the morning and recognize who God is. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. That's what the Bible says. Recognize him for who he is as the creator of the world. Recognize him for who he is as a sustainer of all that's been created. Recognize him for his sovereign power to rule over and in the affairs of man. Recognize who he is and then thank him for his goodness to you. I want to say today God desires his name to be lifted up. Isaiah 42, 8. Isaiah 42, 8. He said, I am the Lord. That is my name. And my glory will I not give to another. Neither my praise to graven images. It's interesting to read in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 27. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty and the base things in the world and things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, and things which are not to bring to naught things that are. Why? That no flesh should glory in his presence. You know why God uses simplicity? Because we trust in him. You know why God uses simplicity? Because we realize without him we have nothing, we can do nothing, we can accomplish nothing. God gives us the breath to breathe. God gives us a heart that beats and a mind that thinks. God's in control of that and God can use the simple things because we glorify his name. I want to tell you today, God will put his hand of blessing on those that are in his will and those that desire to magnify the name of Christ. God help our nation that uses God's name in vain so easily. God help our nation to think that they can curse the name of the creator of the universe understanding they're cursing the very God that gives them the breath that they breathe and helps their mind to think oh our lips ought to be lips of praise to our almighty God. Nehemiah he didn't go back to Jerusalem to build a name for himself. By the way, that's what they accused him of. They said, you just want to be the governor. You just want to have a name for yourself. But it wasn't that at all. He desired for God's name to be magnified. That ought to be the desire of our heart. 
The third common denominator I find in all of the stories where God's hand was evident from the rebuilding of the walls to rebuilding of the temple to the work of David to the work of Solomon to the simple prayers of a woman asking God, will you give me a son? A woman who was barren that could not have children but she begged of God, if you'll give me a son, I'll give him back to you. The third common denominator I find where God puts his hand of blessing on an individual is one who seeks his face in prayer. And may I add to that intense prayer. It's interesting to me, when Jesus obeyed the Father and set the example of baptism, baptism is not salvation. Jesus wasn't baptized to be saved, to be born again. He was the Christ. He was God in the flesh. He set forth an example for us that we would follow his example. It was a testimony of what he would do, die, be buried, and rose again. But do you know before Jesus began his earthly ministry, he spent 40 days and nights in prayer and fasting, fasting, seeking the will of God. I contend prayer is more than what takes place before we eat a meal. This kind of prayer is more than takes place when we pillow our head at night and say, Good night, Lord, thank you for your goodness. I'm talking about a time of prayer. I'm talking about seasons of prayer. If you study the life of Nehemiah, and you and I wrote a biography of Nehemiah of the top five things, we would say he was a man of prayer. He was a man that spent time with God in prayer. He knew it was the will of God. He knew his purpose was to magnify the name of God. Oh, but he desired direction. He desired wisdom, and he spent time with God in prayer. You want God to bless your business? Spend time with God in prayer. You want God to bless your children? Spend time with God in prayer. You want God to bless your marriage? Spend time with God in prayer. If you want God to bless your life, spend time with God in prayer. And we ought to look back at our days and say, boy, it's amazing how God blessed us in that time. God blesses intense. Sometimes our prayer is difficult work. It's not just praying through a prayer list. Sometimes it's difficult work. Sometimes it's a time of agonizing prayer. Are we satisfied with what we could do for God? Come to church, put a few dollars in the offering plate, take part in a worship service, Walk away, never think about God anymore during the week. Or would we desire God's hand of blessing to accomplish his will? If so, we have to surrender time to God in prayer. Wish I had time to explain what I'm about to say. The biggest tool of the devil are not the individual things that he tempts us to do, but all of the things that take up so much of our time, we don't have any time for God in prayer. And his word. Many Christians go back and they look at their life and they say, I didn't do anything wrong in this week. I didn't do anything wrong in this month. But I ask you, did you do anything that was right? Did you spend time in prayer for God to be able to use your life? I give you the fourth thing, and that's the thing of faith. The, the, the act of faith in God, uh, faith in prayer, faith in obedience, faith in God. Uh, Nehemiah uh, was uh, uh, not just uh, obedient in prayer, he had faith in God. You see, it's not going through the acts of prayer. 
I was on an airplane some time ago, and I sat down beside a, a man who is a Muslim, and, and as I introduced myself to him and told him I was a Baptist preacher and gave him a tract, he told me uh, that he was a Muslim, and it came time during that flight for him to, uh, for him to pray. And so he, he took out a thing with beads, and he started quoting his uh, a prayer. He'd quote it, move the bead over. He'd quote it, move the bead over. He'd quote it, move the bead over. And he did that until he was finished. And I thought, Lord, don't ever let my prayers just be actions of obedience. But may they be words of faith to a person. I'm not going through emotion. I'm not just saying, okay, I prayed. I can check that off. I read my Bible. I checked that off. No, I'm talking to a real God. I'm talking to my heavenly Father. I'm talking to the God that caused the sun to rise this morning. I'm talking to a God that created the world. I'm talking to a God that can affect my circumstances in life. It's not just a matter of obedience and prayer. It's a matter of faith believing that God can and God will. And God put his hand of blessing on Nehemiah because he was a man of faith. He put his hand of blessing on the mother Hannah because she prayed the prayer of faith. He put his hand of blessing on Elisha and Elijah because they were men of faith. He put his hand of blessing on Noah and he built the ark. And, and, and what an amazing story that it is because he was a man of faith. And I hasten to close in time this morning. I say number five, a willingness to do and to give all. My all is much to me, but my all is very little to who he is. All that I am, God gave me anyway. It's interesting to trust God with extra. Sometimes it's difficult to trust God with all. Every person... Every person had to have a willingness to do or to give. And give to the place and do to the place of sacrifice. What is sacrifice? Giving up what I'd like to do for what God wants me to do. Giving up what I like. Giving up what I want to have for what God wants me to have. That's what sacrifice is. And as we look at the will of God in our life, and I'm talking about every aspect from our marriage to our children, our business to our personal lives, collectively as a church, to citizens of a nation, all of it, there must be a willingness to say, I'm going to do all I can do. There are two things that happens when we make sacrifice. First of all, we fear losing what we didn't gain to start with that God gave to us. We fear losing that. Second of all, we fear what is that compared to the need? What I have is so little, it can't make a difference. But that's where we have to be obedient because that's where God steps in. What was one lunch to 5,000 people? Well, with God, it fed everybody. They left full and had more left over than they had to start with. So I'm not trying to meet everybody's need by giving all. I'm just trying to be obedient to God to get God activated so he can meet everybody's need. We, we look and say, well, what... What would my prayer do to make a difference? What would my offering do? What would my time committed? What would that do to make a difference? I tell you the difference it'll make 
it'll get God to step in. When they, when they, when they went across the Jordan River into Canaan, they had crossed the Red Sea and no water touched them. They walked across on dry land. When they went across the Jordan River, God told the priest to step into the water. A little step further of faith. What difference did that make? The difference that it made, God used that obedience to part the water. That's, it, it, it's an interesting thing to me. It's overwhelming to think that God would take my little and use it for so much. But the key is simply a willingness to surrender. The lad gave his lunch. David used a slingshot and five stones. Elijah challenged the false prophets to prayer of fire from God. Hannah gave her every ounce of strength and gave a son to God she didn't have. Our forefathers willing to give their lives, fortune, and all that they had. Nehemiah gave up his job to return to Jerusalem. I don't know what God would ask you for, but whatever he asked you for, he doesn't need it for himself. He wasn't saying, Abraham, give me Isaac because I need a son. He, he didn't want Isaac. He wanted Abraham. God doesn't want my time, my heart, my, my, my giving. God wants me. God wants you. Stand with me, if you will. What an amazing testimony that Nehemiah said. And the good hand of my God was upon me. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. I hunger I hunger for God's hand upon me. I hunger for God's hand on you and your life, your family, your marriage, your business. Wouldn't it be amazing if God just put his hand on you? If you're here today and you do not know Christ as Savior, you ought to trust Christ as your Savior today. If you're here today and you've been saved but never been obedient to Christ and believer's baptism, you ought to be obedient to him today. You're here today as a Christian, father, mother, husband, wife. You say, I want God's hand upon me. You ought to begin to pray for that, hunger for that. Heavenly Father, bless I pray. May your will be done in our minds, our hearts, the obedience of our lives this morning. Bless our invitation, I pray in Jesus' name.